following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know him and make him known. How many of you remember that? Yeah, isn't it amazing how many, I mean, now it's been, it's been 23 years. And 25, 26, 27 years ago, the world was in a panic over that. For those of you who are unfamiliar with it, it's simply Y2K. What is it? Year 2000. Year 2000. Significance of it? Hey, turn of the century. But it was more than that because the world had changed. When the, when the other turn of the century before that, from 1899 to 1900, just went by without any fanfare, really. Not this one, because something had changed. We had become so dependent upon computers. And suddenly computers produced a fear in us. Now, I don't understand computer language. I know there's an on-off button. Beyond that, I'm lost. And don't try to explain it to me, because my 73-year-old brain is mush, and I would never understand it anyway. But it had something to do with computer language, that somehow computers were not going to be able to make the transition from 1999 to 2000. And, I mean, we were, the sky, people were running around yelling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And the world was going to be just set into total chaos. Planes were going to plummet from the sky, and we were going to be sent into the dark ages uh, with no phones and no lights and, and no internet. How could we live that way? And we spent several years leading up to that with, with this total obsession with what if what if this happens what if all the predictions come true and there was this fear that set into us we as a global community we as human beings are are just so so um We have this tendency toward this fear, toward looking for the worst things to happen. Y2K was certainly not the first or the last time mankind has gone through questions about the future, the what-ifs. There are other times, and for sake of brevity, I'll bypass all the examples, but you can look back in history and virtually every major change that has happened, there had been this lead up of what if, what if, what if. I do have to say this, though. I, watching television, um, you ever notice the commercials for, that the pharmaceutical companies put out for new drugs? You know, I call them the 2040 commercials. 20 seconds of telling you, what if? This is what's going to happen if you take this drug. This is the 
good benefits. This is, you're going to just jump around and you're going to, you know, you're 90 years old right now, but you're going to act like you're 20 because of this drug is so great. And then 40 seconds of telling you everything that bad that's going to happen to you. You know, you're going to die. But take the drug anyway. But seriously, today, as we mentioned in prayer time, the what-ifs of the world. What if this conflict, I mean, hundreds are dead in Israel. Hundreds in Israel and in Gaza. And it's not soldiers. It's civilians. It's people just like us. Men, women, children. And forget all the ideologies and the, the, the causes and so on. People are dying. What if it expands? What if other countries one by one start to step in and it escalates? A little thing called World War I started that way. What if? I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Can we say that as God's people when we look out the windows at the world around us? No matter what if happens, can we say, my God in whom I trust. Psalm 27 says, I, my times are in his hands. My life, this history, it's all in his hands. Would we be the first generation to ever go through watching the world explode around us? You know what? Sometimes the what-ifs do happen. Sometimes they happen. Most of the time, our worst-case scenarios do not. But sometimes they do. So what do we do? We do. We prepare. We prepare responsibly. And reasonably. But what about here in our hearts and our spirits? How do we prepare for the days ahead? And the, the what ifs? Because you know what? There are some what-ifs that are going to happen, like I said. I'm 73. The window is closing on my life. I'm well into my fourth quarter. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. 
I've outlived so many people. I've lost so many friends. I've stood and buried a baby, and I, I, a baby that lived for an hour. And I babe, I've buried 95-year-olds and everything in between. The greatest what if is going to happen to all of us. But how do we process this? How do we deal with this without, you know, just going berserk with fear? Because God did not give us a spirit of what? Fear. God didn't give us fear. God doesn't want us to live this life looking over our shoulder in total fear. We are to live this life in a different way. And I think the best way to process this is, is to look at someone who had every reason to cry out to God, what if, God, what is going on here? And what if? Consider all the worst case scenarios in his life. But he didn't. If you would take your Bibles, I'd love to have you turn to Philippians chapter 4. It's my, you know Philippians is my favorite book, if that's, if, if you can even, that's not even spiritual to say, but then again, I said it anyway. Um, it is my favorite book for a number of reasons, and I love, I love this book. And this passage, these, these few short verses, responding to what if. Okay, we're going to have to race through this a little bit. Paul, as you know, has every reason to question his circumstances. He's a man on death row. He's in jail. He's part of the Roman justice system. And as one writer said, seldom does the Roman justice system sink its claws into you without exacting blood. He knew he was probably going to die. And yet there's no hint in this book about Paul, you know, curling up in a fetal position in his jail and, and crying out and whining about his situation. Instead, he writes, what about? What is he writing about? Look at this, starting in verse 4. There are three keys we need to look at here. And the first key is simply, I couldn't find a way to summarize it except use the verse. We rejoice in the Lord always. That's the way he starts this passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> and then for a little point of emphasis, it says, I say it again. Rejoice. If you're a parent, you know about repeating things because it's the way you get things done, right? With your children? Shut the door, honey. Shut the door, honey. Hey, you little brat, shut the door. No, you don't say brat. We probably said it to our kids. Um, but you get their attention, and, and God's trying to get our attention here, and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Not just rejoice, okay? It's more than just that word. To rejoice means to be 
I don't know, to feel joy or great delight. But it reminds us that the source of our joy must be the Lord. Where do you find your joy? Where do you find your greatest joy? Where do we as a church find our greatest joy? Is it your work? Is it your spouse? Is it your children? Is it your money, your stuff? Then let me ask you, what if today all of that was stripped away? The things that give you the greatest joy, all of it was stripped away today. Would you still have joy? That's why it says rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord, always. Not just when things are good. But when you're praying for that person you love as they slip away. Rejoice in the Lord always. Another of my favorite passages, Psalm 13, says, but I trust in your unfailing love. David's been through the ringer, and he says, but I trust in your unfailing love, God. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he, what, has been good to me. What if today everything was stripped away? Could you say with David, I will sing to the Lord because he has been good to me. He saved me. I may be stripped away from everything that I love and everything that I know, and I be, may be heading out to go to a cross. But I will say to the Lord, I will sing to him, for he has been good to me. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. The second thing we have to do, and he brings out in verse 6, is we have to cultivate gentleness. Or verse 5, I'm sorry. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, gentleness is a hard word to define. It's one of those things I think you, you know when you see it, but it's hard, hard to put it on. But we, we have heard that word before, haven't we? For the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If the Spirit of God is ruling our life, gentleness will be there. He says, let your gentleness be evident. Sometimes it's translated meekness, but we have this concept of meekness as being weakness. And it's anything but that. It's really power. It's knowing how powerful we are, but having that power under control. Do you know how powerful you are? You have the power of life and death over people. Proverbs tells us that. It's a little thing in our mouth, a little flap of skin called the tongue. A tongue has the power of life and death. James talks about that. 
Your words can encourage and build and edify people or it can tear them to shreds. And he says, your gentleness, make your gentleness, let your gentleness be evident to all. And it's a, it's a word, you know, from which we get our word evidence. It's a court term. If you were on trial, charged with being a Christian, could gentleness be used as evidence? to support that claim. Gentleness is having power, knowing that you have power, and having that power under control. It is humility. It is compassion. It's reaching out to somebody who wouldn't reach out to you. It's understanding. It's empathy. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. There's one final thing. We exchange. We replace Anxiety with peace. Look what Paul says. Remember, this is a guy on death row. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Should we be watching the Mideast? Should we be paying attention to what's happening in the world around us? Yeah, I think we should. Should we live in fear and trembling because of that? No. Why? Because we trust in the Lord. So do not be anxious. Are any of you worriers? I've talked about this before. I, I As I've grown older, I've become... I've become more of a worrier, and I have to really work to keep that in check. The word anxious kind of carries that same idea. There's nuances to it. it sometimes it's translated careful, or the idea of care. In, in 1 Peter 5, it says, cast all your cares upon him, because he cares for you. Well, the word cares... Well, the word careful means to be full of cares. We're not to be full of cares. We're not to be anxious. <sighs> Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, how? By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. How many of us, at the first sign that the first sign of trouble, pray, 
And I don't mean, you know, okay, prayer, okay, God, get me out of this. But first of all, say, God, you are God. And I thank you that you are God. Or even to pray, God, thank you for for whatever you're going to try to teach me through this. Psalm 23. And we don't have time to read through that wonderful psalm. I wish we did. And, and, and please do so sometime today. Because it's a psalm of rest. I was actually going to replace uh, this whole little thing with rest in peace. But we associate that with death, don't we? Rest in peace. Oh, he died. May he rest in peace. What about us living people? Do you ever rest in peace? Do you ever rest? And I mean to stop to stop and to just (sighs) you do it take a deep breath thank God for your life and all your blessings How many of us do that? Rest, my friends, rest in peace. Cast all your cares upon him. All the what-ifs, all the terrible things that might happen, all of your worries and your concerns, we are to cast upon him. Let me close. As I, I think maybe I've shared this before, but as we were building the our little studio above the garage, one of the real problematic things was we had to have a center beam to support the roof, and I knew that was going to be an issue because it had to be about a 36-foot beam. And if you know, 36-foot beams can get pretty heavy. And so we went with laminated beams. So we're wonderful because they're long and they're sturdy and they're stable, but how in the world were we going to get them up there? And I worried and worried and worried about that. Finally, one Saturday morning, Jonathan called in four of the young guns from this church. And uh, you guys came out. 
And I'm worried all night, worried, how are we going to get this done? What happens if we can't get it up there? And Because they're down on the ground, they have to be lifted up on the roof and then up to the peak, 10 feet in the air, 36-foot flappy beams. They had them done in 40 minutes. But I remember the very first one, they're laying on the ground, and I walk over and I start to pick, pick up one end. Brad Punk comes over and says, I got this. I think he was really saying, get away, old man. We don't need you. But, but it was, no, but it was, I got this. And that's God. Whatever the problem is, God's got this. God's got it. Do we believe it? Do we trust it? I don't always He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. Amen? Lord, thank you. I'm so thankful that you do have it. That all of the, all of the things that I worry about and, and, and the anxiety I sometimes have, the lack of faith that I demonstrate in my life, Yet, God, whatever the issue is, you've got it. It's all in your hands. God, teach us to be faithful and and teach us to be trusting. To look at our world and to... To, we, we have to be a part of it. And, and the struggles and sufferings of the people around us and those closest to us, we have to be a part of that. But in the midst of it all, when we're going through the worst of times that we can go through, remember that you've got it. Our times are in your hands. Period. Period. And amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.